Bibles to, there we go, hello everybody, open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2, and uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some people coming around with Bibles, uh, we're a Bible church in it, and uh, so I want to, as we get started here, want to remind us of the flow of the letter so far, here's in essence Galatians up to where we're at, we're going to be really covering verses 15 through 21, the end of chapter 2 today. And here's pretty much a summary of Galatians so far. Uh, Paul opens the letter and basically says, hey, it's me. Remember me, the apostle of Christ. Um, Peace to you, grace to you, amen. Verse 6, hey, like, is there a problem? Like, what's going on, you guys? Am I correct in understanding that you're deserting the gospel that we were talking about? Serious? Really? And uh, Paul starts out, like, right at it and uh, not real thrilled about it. He's pretty much, listen, don't mess with the gospel. And this charge that he has, he starts out in chapter 1, goes all the way through chapter 6. And uh, this letter is unique from Paul's other letters. Uh, one of the things that's unique about it is it, it just is this constant movement of this really the same idea throughout. And uh, for instance, if you were to go to Ephesians and Colossians, or when I preached through Ephesians uh, a year or so ago, it's a type of thing where you get to cover all kinds of different topics, things like the supremacy of Christ and grace and salvation and humility and evangelism and personal growth and communication and marriage and parenting and all these kinds of things uh, but galatians is like more like this galatians chapter one hey it's all about the gospel uh, galatians chapter two hey it's all about the gospel galatians chapter three hey it's all about the gospel uh, what would Galatians chapter 4 be about? Well, and if you were making a guess on what chapter 5 is all about, what might that be? And chapter 6 as well, hey, it's all about the gospel. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because likely after today, uh, most of you are going to be going home kind of with this idea. Um, boy, uh, today was kind of a lot like last Sunday. Uh, with what we're talking about, you know, it's all about grace and the gospel, and uh, there's a big crew of you are going to be heading home, whether it's this week or next week, at some point you're going to be heading home thinking that. Uh, others of you, some of you are going to be going home and thinking, when is he going to get to the point and talking about that fish jumping out of that bowl and how it's going to survive outside of that bowl? All right, some of you? Uh-huh. Well, we're getting there, chapter 5. Um, but here's what I want to bring in. I want for you to understand Galatians is unique from the other letters of Paul. And, and let me just put it this way. It's kind of like this. Every Sunday, we're going to take a walk around the cross. And every Sunday, it's kind of Paul in a unique way or in a little bit different angle going, wow. Look at that. <laughs> Look at the cross. I, I mean... That's included in the whole cross passage. And, and taking a walk around and go, man, it, it's all about the gospel. And, and then the next Sunday, it's kind of like field trip. Come on, join me in the field trip. We're kind of taking a walk around the cross again. 
And we're taking another look at the cross. And yet a unique aspect of it, but it's all about the cross. Hey, it's all about the good news of Jesus Christ. And I just want for you to know today, the walk that we're taking, this walk is all about justification. In other words, we're walking around the cross and we're going, goodness gracious, did you realize that through the cross, justified, justified. Well, let's go in Galatians chapter 2. Let's actually start in verse 11, getting a running start here. God, I pray as we dig into this passage, this marvelous, glorious passage telling about the justification work of Christ on the cross, God, grab our hearts and heads and lives because this is an awesome field trip around the cross today. In your name, amen. Chapter 2, verse 11, we studied this a couple weeks ago. Verse 11, but when Cephas came to Antioch, when Stephen, or I'm sorry, what's his name? Peter. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. We talked about this. Verse 12, for before certain men came from James, uh, he was eating with the Gentiles. In other words, Peter's eating with the Gentiles, northern portion of above Israel. Um, he's eating with the Gentiles. I mean, here's this Jew. He wouldn't have done that very much before in the past, but he is now. He's hanging with the Gentiles. But look at this. But when they came, the, the circumcision party, in other words, the Judaizers, the ones who it's about Jesus plus some other stuff, when they came, he, Peter, drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. In other words, he wasn't as uh, connected up with the uh, Gentile Christians as he was before. Uh, verse 13, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. Hey, listen, when leaders lead by example, people follow, even if it's down the tanker. So that even Barnabas, Paul's partner in ministry, was led astray by their hypocrisy. Uh, verse 14, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Steve, or I said, <laughs> the, the Peter, that guy, I said to Peter before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you, be forced the, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We studied this before, this conflict going on. Now listen, this was likely a slow fade thing and where, where Peter is all of a sudden beginning to, to go back to his former religious form of life. And here he is and Paul comes and he says, stop it, Peter, stop it. Peter, it's all about the gospel. All right, that's the context to which we jump into verse 15 because the context or the movement of the text doesn't just stop and start a whole new topic. Here we go, verse 15. We ourselves are Jews by birth, Peter, and not Gentile sinners. Uh, in this, now to understand the we, the we is not everybody on the planet. The we here being talked about is Jewish followers of Christ. In other words, Paul is saying to Peter, hey, Peter, you and I, we are now Jewish Christians, right? We, us, we ones, we ourselves. I love that Paul includes it, we ourselves. Paul, after telling about this confrontation he had, now brings himself into it. I think this is kind of a loving statement here. He's kind of backing down. Hey, I was in your face. Now we're kind of backing down a little bit. Hey, Peter, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. This term for Gentile sinners, it's not smack talk. This is more of a category. This is a group of people who had no law. They had no way of being able to become justified before holy God. 
So this isn't smack talk going, but a category we'll catch here in a little bit. Here we go. 15, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know, we know something. It's not wonder something. It's not uh, I think something. It's not I hope. It's not I speculate. But we, who's the we? Jewish Christians. Hey, listen, Paul's saying we Jewish Christians, which we aren't, uh, but we Jewish Christians, we know something. We're convinced of something. We have facts on something. What is it? Hey, we know that a person is not justified. I love this because what he's talking about, he's going, hey, we ourselves, we know something, and we know something about everybody. The, a person is in, in, in getting at everybody. So this is coming from the conversation with Peter. Now he's moving it into this discussion, frankly, that I think isn't just about Peter and Barnabas. It's about all of us being able to hear some incredible teaching here right at the moment. He says, hey, listen, we ourselves know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Justified. I, I want to hang on this word for a little while. Uh, verse 16, uh, if you're a marker in your Bible, and I encourage you to, I encourage you to write in your Bible. I want for you to underline or circle justified right there. Uh, and then look a little bit later, about midway in verse 16, the word justified pops up again. Underline, circle that. And then at the very end of the verse, you see that? The word justified again. And then look at the beginning of verse 17. At the very beginning, it has the word justified there as well. Um, do, you, do you have any idea what Paul's trying to talk about here? He's trying to talk about this word justified, okay? Well, when you take a look and you see, you get the idea, okay, Paul, you're wanting to talk about this term justified. Um, what does it mean? Well, it's a term that means uh, legally. It means uh, made legitimate. It's a legal term. It's proven as warranted. It's vindicated, shown to be just. I love this, acquitted. I don't know why, just law talk sounds cool sometimes. Acquitted, in other words, cleared from a charge. Here's another law term, exonerated, freed from blame. Question, is everyone justified before God? Um, in other words, this. Is, is the God and me thing for everybody in a good standing order? Well, Romans 3 says, no one is righteous, no, not one, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if we look at the verse right here in 16, yet we know that a person is not justified. So no, I've got this picture here. I want to talk about this for a minute. Justified. I believe this is a picture from up in Iceland, actually. Um, I'd like to use this as an illustration. In other words, when God created mankind, we had a living, breathing, unified relationship. In fact, the Bible talks about in Genesis about how God walked with mankind, uh, walked with. They were together. Uh, but the problem came in, and it's called sin. And sin separates. Why? It had to, because God is a holy God. And sin caused a separation. There's a sin chasm. So in essence, what ends up happening is man is starts over on this side for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is God's side of the spectrum. 
and there is this big sin chasm here in between. And you and I start in the place where we are on a kayak. We're in our own single man, single woman canoe over here on this side up top. And we're canoeing around, and a lot of it, it's beautiful. I mean, looking around, whoa, look at this going on up here. Look what's happening. And we're canoeing, and we're canoeing, and we're canoeing. But as time goes on, we start realizing, you know, not everything's so great about being on this side. Because as I learn more about what God has to say about who he is and about the sin chasm that has come into my life, I realize that, man, I want to be on this side. Why? Because eventually this side leads to destruction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And over here, you see, well, I'm kayaking or whatever you want to call it, paddling away. You see, it's all on my own. I'm keeping myself up on the flat territory. And as much as I'd like to be able to get across over to there, there's no way I can on my own. And eventually, it's going down. Now, the Bible talks about how there are two ways to be able to pursue being brought back into relationship with God. And verse 16 talks about these two ways. Uh, There's one way that's tried that doesn't work. There's another way that is available that is absolutely the solution to my sin problem. Let's take a look, verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Way number one, by faith in my works. By faith in my works. That's way number one. How do I try and get from there over to there? Well, you see, if I have a sin problem, then I need to work on taking care of that sin problem because God's holiness is hidden from me. Isaiah talks about your sins have hidden his face from you so that he cannot hear. La, 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 Okay? Though God loves us, our sins have separated us from him. And it says here, look in verse 16. It says, by faith in the works of the law, not. And then look towards the end of verse 16. Uh, And not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Now, just in case as you read this, we're not quite sure in our understanding of this. Here's what Paul is saying. Not by works of the law. Uh, Just in case you missed that, not by works of the law. And in case you missed that, not by works. In other words, uh, there's one way to attempt to be made right with God, and that's by my works. God, I'm trying to be moral. I'm trying to be right. I'm trying to do what I can to make you accept me back. I'm trying to earn my acceptance back to you. And here's what Paul says here in in the Bible. Uh, Not, not, not. Three ways people attempt to do this works thing. Three ways. First, I'll call it Old Testament law living. Old Testament law living. That's really what was happening here at the time. It's kind of the, I follow the Ten Commandments. I, I go with the Big Ten. I do the do's and I don't do the don'ts. Uh, actually, here's the reality. If it's about the Big Ten, every one of us falls short of the Big Ten. Everyone. And we could literally say that every one of us falls short of all ten of them. I haven't murdered anyone yet. Yeah, but the scriptures say if you hate someone, it's as though you've murdered them. Oh, what's the deal with the law? Listen, the law was given to be able to do really, I would say, two things. One, to be able to show us that we cannot earn our way back to God. 
That's what the Old Testament law was there for. It's not set out there so that God put this thing to be able to say, see, if you do these, if you do this list, check, 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 then I'll accept you back. Because after all, you've become, you've been done on your own works. You've earned my blessing. Are you kidding me? Not, not, not. Uh, the second reason for the Old Testament law was really to, just to be able to help show that, listen, God's people live differently than the rest of the world. But here, as we talk about this, it's the Old Testament law of living. Well, I follow the ten. I, I try to do good. Listen, I'm just telling you, uh, the, here it's not, not, not. A second way that people do the works thing is uh, with a false gospel. A false gospel. In other words, uh, you just take all of the religions, including many realities, teachings of Christianity, and you put them all up on the board, and I'm telling you this, they all come down to one thing. You can earn your way to heaven. And you can't. I can't. Mormons, it comes down to works. Jehovah's Witnesses, it comes down to works. Buddhists, it comes down to works. Get to the point of nirvana. <coughs> it's works. Muslims, it's works. Old Testament law living, false gospel law living. And I'll just put a third one here. My law living. This is America today, so much of America. Hey, great for you, Doug. I'm really glad you're happy with that deal. But I want to tell you about my thing. You see, this is what God expects. Oh, really? I'm sorry for pushing you, but I am. How do you know that? Like, have you had a conversation with, like, God the creator? And laid it out, and I'm telling you, people walk around so often thinking that I have the ability to be able to figure out what justifies me to move from there to there. Is that right? I'm sorry, but that is just utter foolishness said in the greatest of love. It's just foolishness of concern for you if that's your thinking. If you're thinking that I can earn my way by doing whatever your system is, I just want to tell you, based on what authority? Yours? I can't wait for that conversation to take place one day before the creator of the universe and when God is like, so tell me, why should I let you into my heaven? Well, God, you, you know me. You know, I set this whole thing up and this is the structure upon which, we, uh, which I earned my way to be able to get in. And he's like, like did you like to think that maybe I might have something to say about that? Well, I just figured it out on my own. Really? Really? I, 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 don't, I, I say that out of greatest care for you. Because this is the deal. Not, not, not. Again, look at verse 16. Uh, yet we know, we don't speculate, we don't wonder, we aren't hoping or considering. You know that a person is not justified by works. Not. Let me put it this way. Now let me go to the second one. By faith in my works. The second way that we pursue justification with God, as verse 16 talks about, is by faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, look at the verse. Uh, uh, we, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Remember it said works how many times? Three times. Take a look at this. He refers back to by faith in Jesus Christ three times in this verse. Look. So we all, I'm sorry, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have second, believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ. 
It's kind of like, I just want to make sure everybody understands the program here. If you're going to be a works-driven person and be able to earn your way to God's favor, um, uh, just want to understand, not by works. Oh, yeah, by the way, just so you make sure, it's not by works. And just in case you missed that one, I want to make sure really clear, it's not by any kind of works on your own. Uh, But I do want to say this. Listen, it's by faith in Christ. Oh, in case you missed that one, just to make sure, well, for you to understand, it's by faith in Christ. And, And let me reword that again. It's by faith in Christ alone here in this verse let me put it this way if my faith hasn't justified me it hasn't saved me if your faith system whatever that is by the way atheism is a faith system if your faith system has not had the ability to justify you uh, it hasn't saved you you can believe what you want to believe, but the question is, is if your faith system hasn't justified you, it hasn't saved you. And, and let's talk a little bit more here about this justified thing, because this is really cool. Uh, remember the show, Let's Make a Deal? I remember that as a kid watching that. Um, remember that, many of us? Yeah? You know, does that not look like one incredible high-tech set? <laughs> I remember watching that with my mom, and all these people would dress up in these dorky costumes and act like total idiots just to be able to win some money and back then it was like what a hundred bucks Whoa, you know that'll change your life um but here's the deal in the let's make a deal you would have these different doors and you could choose a door and if you remember usually it was i'll take a door and 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 you knew that one of those doors had like a a pig behind it or like you know a a beat up motorcycle with bent wheels on it or something then it had another door where it was like okay that's kind of cool you know tv whatever that's kind of cool and then then there was the like the winter door it's just like whoa there's the big one right you know it was like a yugo or something like that you know but so here's the deal let's kind of take this justified what does it mean here what does it mean here let's make a deal let's go to door number one because i think here's a, a common response to it forgiven and i'll say this yeah that's true Uh, By placing my faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done. Remember, we're walking around the cross, looking at the cross. By placing my faith in that he did for me what I could not do for myself. For Christ died for all. That as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And it is a fact that when a person receives Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are forgiven of all their sins. Isn't that neat? Listen, every bad, horrible, hell-like thing you or I have ever done, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, forgiven. But I want to tell you something. That's not the winner door. As great as that is. You see, justification is not just about being forgiven. Uh, let's try and go to door number three in common term, pardon. Uh, God has pardoned me, and he has. Guilty, and yet pardon. You see, the problem, though, is with someone who's pardoned, they still have a record. It's still held in a file somewhere, and it's there. And, and yes, pardon is part of it. Forgiven and pardoned are part of justification. In other words, wouldn't you want to stand before God one day when we see him face to face, and we will see him face to face, and have God just be able to go forgiven and pardoned? I want that, right? 
But I just want to let you know that doesn't even give the whole blessed reality of justification. How about door number two? I just like this word because it sounds cool. Imputed. What is that talking about? Well, let me talk on this just for a minute. We're walking around the cross. Hang with me. This has been just huge for me this week. Coming around the cross, you look at the cross, and uh, I'm tattooed with sin all over me. All the ten, plus the whole other side of the law, broken, tattooed all over my body. I can't get rid of it. I can't. I'd love to, but I can't. And yet, when the point comes in time when, when I come and I see that I'm a sinner separated from God, and I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior who paid the price for me, here's part of what happens at justification. Only as God could do it. All of that sin junk is removed and placed on Christ on the cross. I won't do it because you won't want me to, but it's as if I could take this red shirt off and just take it all off and throw it up there, and it's like, he paid the price for my sin. He did for me what I could not do for myself. You see, that's forgiven pardon. We haven't got to imputed yet. And is that not like the greatest thing ever, that all my sin can be removed and cast on him? God loves me so much that he provided an opportunity for me to be able to do that. It's a gift made available. Have you received that gift of being able to chuck your sins on Christ, paying the price for your and my sin? Uh, but now the imputed part. It's not just about that. It's not just about when I look at the cross, I see my shirt of sin hanging over his arms, hanging. Oh, but it's literally about God then imputing upon me, placing on me the full righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I've been through seminary, studied the topic, and it's never hit me like, oh, sorry, bear with me. It's just the reality that it's not just forgiven. It's not just pardoned. It's completely the person who comes to Jesus Christ and lays their life before him. It's as if the righteousness of Christ is then placed on me. So God's not doing this game of he's covered over my sin and it's like, you know what, I, I can kind of see through that and I can see behind there that you've screwed up. That's not what's taking place. It's not the kind of thing where God's looking at this and God's going, you know what, if I just kind of cover this a little bit and I just, you know, if I, as long as I don't move too far, I cover your sin and I can't see. That's not it. It's literally that every piece of hellish junk in my life has been removed. And when God sees me, he looks and he sees the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ fully thrown. No more guilt. And I got to tell you, that changes everything. Justification is not just about as if, ju as if I had just never sinned. 
Justification is about as if I had never sinned. And in fact, you look like Jesus Christ from God's eyes. Do you have that? Here's the cool deal. God offers all of that to you and I as a gift. Have you received Jesus Christ for that? I just want to lay this out here because of time. i got to keep moving here. But I just want to lay this out. I am concerned today that we have people here who have not received Jesus Christ as their Savior and are in the state of, of, of separated from God over here on this side and stuck. And they're canoeing and they're trying to, and it's like, hey God, look at me, I'm getting better at the canoeing thing. But I just want to let you know, eventually you're going over the fall. I don't say that with joy. Believe me, I'd rather talk about nice fuzzy bunnies. But the scripture lays out the great, beautiful answer to the problem. And if I realize that's the reality of what's going on, then I can stand here and go, God, I can't do this. I can't get across on my own. I need Jesus Christ as my, God, would you save me? And the answer to that is, absolutely, yes. And not only does he grab, and by, um, how does the fish survive out of the bowl? By God. How does it come across over here, land on this side, and God pulls me over? I'm not working my way over. God pulls me over, places me here, and it's not like I stand here like someone who's just tired and worn out and like sin tattooed all over me. And it's like, I'm such a louse over here. And God's God's like, shape up. Do you understand what's happened to you? I've forgiven you. I've pardoned you. I've brought you over. And as far as I'm concerned, when I look at you, I see the second person of the Trinity covered all over you. I just got to say, renewed living. It's a whole different deal. It's not over here trying to earn God's favor. It's over here redeemed, fully. Yeah, I don't care what's gone in your life. I don't care what's taken place in your life. But God says he can redeem you. I'm concerned about those who basically stand before God and say, I don't know what I'd say to God. Listen, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Not wonder. No. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Hey, I also want to let many of you, I don't know who this might be, but if there are some here today who are counting back and looking back in their life and go, you know, there was a time when I was seven or eight or 10 or 12, and I kind of had a spiritual moment there. But then as I look at the rest of my life, not much really clicked at all, not much really clicked at all. And so here I am in this day and age, and there's really not much of a redeeming work showing in my life. But I go back to that time when I was baptized or when this took place, and I just want to just, please listen, listen. Have you been justified? You see, because... If your faith hasn't justified you, it hasn't saved you. Point number two, if your faith hasn't changed you, your faith hasn't saved you. Let me just buzz through these last verses here. In fact, I'm just going to jump ahead. There's some funky words there in verse 17, 18. But everything's cool. Jesus is not a sinner. 
And that'll make you want to, is Christ then a servant of sin? No, he's using an argument to show the ridiculousness of their actions. Let's pick up in verse 19. Paul says, for through the law, I died to the law. Paul's referring back to when he was Philippians chapter 3. Go read it. Paul used to be someone over here living by faith in, the word, in his own works. I was Hebrew of Hebrew. I was the religious stud of religious studs. I was doing all the supposed things. I was working my way to God. But when he comes, he says, listen, I so realize that that so does not make me redeemed. Uh, when I came to Christ, done with that, over here. For through the law, I died to the law. Why? So that I might, what? Live to God. Hey, hey listen, this side over here, this isn't about now. <laughs> when we understand justification, it's God pulled me from the pit, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Then as Marianne read earlier, but God, rich in mercy, great in love, redeemed me out, not by works, but by the saving work of Jesus Christ, by receiving that. I'm now placed over here, and now God is like, and when we talk about the justification thing, it's like so overly justified, it's unbelievable, looking like Jesus. Now, if I'm looking like Jesus because of God's redeeming work on me, it means that it's time to live for him. I mean, think of this, how sad, how it must grieve our Savior when here we have been imputed with the full righteousness of Christ and then we still live and act like a pagan sinner. That just doesn't fit. Now, we all struggle with sin. Get it. Know it. Okay? I'm not saying perfection, no sin problem. I'm saying redeemed but still learning what it's like to be redeemed. And yet when we live like that, and yet we're over here, we just at some point, we have to ask ourselves the question, when this is what characterizes me again and again and again and again, years and years and years and years, you have to ask the question, did I really understand what it means to be redeemed and justified in Christ? Am I really saved? Because the truth of the matter is, I'm not seeing a whole lot of change in my life at all. And that whole act way back in some point in time, it was just about getting the golden ticket. Listen, the gospel is not about the golden ticket. The gospel is about a life renewed, changed, redeemed. In fact, it talks about so that I might live. By the way, it, it, let me just read in verse 19. It has live. Then in 20, it has live. Then in 20, it has lives. Then in 20, it has life. Then in 20, it has live. And then in 20, it has live. Now what's Paul's emphasis? Live it. Paul's saying you've been justified. Now live like it. Listen, there is no believer in Jesus Christ that is more justified than any other believer. Justified is an act that is done at the time of redemption. But the question is, is from there on else, what's it looking like to give him glory? And I just want to call you at the end of the service here. We're going to have Rusty's going to be down here. Guys, if there's someone here today, please listen. If there's someone here today where you're like, I'm not sure if I'm redeemed. I'm just not sure. Hey, listen, I went through as a youngster, like I received Christ about a hundred times. But I am never going to call someone 
when there comes a point in time where they're like, you know what, I really don't know if I've driven the stake for Christ. I just want to let you know, if that's you, make it today. Rusty would love to, wouldn't you, Rusty, love to talk with the guys. I mean, Rusty's come to Christ in the recent decade, and as an adult, he knows what we're talking about here. My wife's going to be there. Lady, come and get, Eric and Chris are going to, teens, come down. Just, I'm not saying we don't make it a big event. Come down when we're done, grab a hold of them, say, I need to make this for sure. This isn't a notch in our Christian church belt. This is about you being redeemed in Jesus Christ for sure today. And I'm just, as you can tell, oh, I'm so cranked up about this thing. I can't let it go by. Matthew 7, 21. Many will stand before me one day and call me Lord, Lord, and they will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Goes on to say, the Lord will in essence say, I'm sorry, but you may have been calling me Lord, Lord, but the reality is I never knew you. You see, over here, people, I believe in God. I believe that there's a God. I, I want to follow God. I want to please God with the sincerest of greatest of hearts. But they've never made that staking in the ground, that time, that point. God, I'm about you. I receive Christ as my Savior. Redeem me. And in that process, imputed with the full righteousness of Christ. And now it's about living on. Ah, let's just keep reading. So if that's you today, make it today. Verse 19, for through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. By the way, that's called, a, in the Greek, it's a perfect tense verb. When the readers were reading this verb, they knew what Paul was saying. He was saying this, there was a point in time a perfect tense verb, an action that happened at one point in time that has ongoing ramifications to it. That's what a perfect tense verb means. And Paul was saying, listen, there was a time when I received Christ, when I became crucified with Christ. I drove the stake in the ground, kaboomo, and it was at that point in time, it, ever since then, it has ongoing ramifications in my life. My life is different because if my faith hasn't changed me, I would come and just say, has your faith really been driven in the ground the way the Bible talks about what it really means to know Christ? I have been crucified with Christ now. It is no longer I who live. Now we jump into the verb of a present active indicative Greek verb. That means presently, continuously. There was an act upon which I made a choice. I made a decision for Paul. It was on the road to Damascus. Kabam! Placed his faith in Christ. And I am now living presently, continuously. That means today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And he keeps going. Uh, um, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Why? Imputed. But Christ who presently, let me read it this way. It is no longer I who presently live, but Christ who presently lives in me. And the present life, I now presently live in the flesh. In other words, as you and I, we haven't seen God. We're not in heaven yet. And the present life, I presently now live in the flesh. I presently live by faith in the Son of God who saved me. And gave himself up for me. You see, if my faith hasn't changed my life, if I'm not seeing redemption worked out in my life, I just want to say, you have to go back and ask yourself the question, have you really been redeemed? Or I would say, 
Or was that one more moment in the Lord working in your life to get you to a point to where you would fall before the cross and go, I need a Savior that changes and justifies my life wholly and fully. Last verse. I do not nullify the grace of God. What's he saying there? No, I live it out because if I don't live it out, it's as though I'm nullifying what God has done for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if justification were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Listen, folks, in other words, if you're a works-driven person and you think somehow that you can jump the sin chasm by your works, then Christ didn't need to die on the cross because somehow I can work it. And let me say this, if I've been redeemed in Christ and I've been imputed with the righteousness of Christ, not meaning I'm Christ, but God's righteousness have been placed on me and through me, and I'm not living like that, my life unliving is as though it's nullifying the work of the cross. Next week, we're going to talk about how over here, it's about living by faith. I'm not saved by faith, and then I earn God's favor over here. It's saved by faith and living by faith. We're going to talk about that next week. Today. Are you redeemed? Do you know that you know that you know? If not, at the end of the service, we're going to have some people up here. If you came with someone today or, you know, kids with family or Eric and Crystal will be down here. Boom, drive the stake in the ground and let's get after it. Hey, Nick, why don't you come on up? Rusty, will you come on down? Karen, you come on down. Eric and Crystal, come on down. We're going to have a closing song. and uh, Let me pray. God, thank you so much for your work and the imputed righteousness of God done for us. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today who's just not sure, who's just not secured in it, Lord, that we just make it happen. This is about you. This is about us. Thanks for the work of the cross. Thanks for this trip around it today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.